Afternoon, everyone. You are tuned into another episode of Styles and Driss, and we are coming at to you live and direct, well, semi-live and direct from the lovely office of Wing Group. Shout out to Wing Group. Shout out to Wing Group. We're taking over. That's it. <laughs> Just saying. Um, now we're going to keep it humble here. We're, mm-hmm. we're grateful. We're, we're happy um, to have the relationships we have at Wing Group and. Um, if you ever need help with commercial real estate, any kind of service, just let us know, as long as it's uh, legal. Yep. Win group. They're all winners here. Yeah. Everyone's like, well, why do you guys name yourself uh, Win group? And they're like, well, there's a number of reasons, but uh, the only reason is because the fucking CEO's last name is Win. Yeah. So. So, Win group. Makes sense. <clears throat> and they're like, well, it's W-Y-N. Like, no, it's actually N-G-U-Y-E-N. Mm-hmm. But. Win. But, you know, nobody can pronounce it because, you know, you get like those people that pronounce it as Nguyen, Nugget, <laughs> Nguyen, uh, and then and then they just somehow get the N-word in there. I'm like, yeah, all right, yeah, close. <laughs> uh, I'll have to, uh, uh, I have to tell you this, this is kind of, it's funny that you're bringing this shit up. Um, way back when I was still in high school, I had a history class and... The guy who taught was a Korean War veteran, and I remember getting into a bit of a kind of a, well, not really, it wasn't even semantics, it was actually like, it was, you know, I I was right, but um, I was calling out the fact that our history books were incorrect, like, because we were in the Vietnam War, and we were talking about um, uh, certain uh, generals and you know, people and stuff from like, uh, you know, different groups and shit. And I was cracking up because, you know, like there would always be like those parentheses to tell tell you how to like pronounce, um, you know, different types of names and, and stuff uh, throughout history. Well, they had the parentheses and the the history book itself, this was our curriculum, actually said to pronounce that you, you would say the letter N and then you would say GN. And I'm like, no, it's when. And he's like, no, no, it's NGN. And I'm like, no, you're you're not correct. And he was kind of like, oh, agree to disagree or whatever. And I go, bro, I'm like, you fought in the fucking Korean War, okay? So I would look to you as being like an expert on at least Korean shit. I'm like, but not Vietnam. And I said, I got a lot of Vietnamese friends. I came up from the Twin Cities. Like, everybody was very, very thorough about, you know, how to pronounce their names. And he just kind of like sloughed it off or whatever. And um, and then it was mad funny because then I think um, uh, the next year I was in this uh, this other history class, and this guy was like the total opposite. He was like a fucking rock star, and um, and he 
he was the guy that actually was like he would consult me <laughs> as he was he's in the middle of like doing stuff in class and then he would stop and go is uh yeah is, is that uh, that's i pronounced that correct right like i didn't butcher it i'm like no no you're you're fine and he's like oh okay right on and then he would just move on right so it's just kind of funny how you would see like different teaching styles and like modalities and shit and again eras that people grow up in and um and i get it you know if you're being like shitty and you're just jumping on someone's bumper you know, even though they've made the effort, they're they're trying and they're saying, okay, I'm trying to pronounce it, but bear with me. And then you have, like, other times where a person's just like, no, I'm right regardless. The book says I'm right and I'm right. And I'm like, uh, just because it's written doesn't necessarily mean it's so. <laughs> so, yeah, that was, like, this is kind of funny when uh, you, you see that shit, you know, from, like, back in the day. And it was like you didn't have the, uh, um, uh, you didn't have, like, Google at your fingertips either. So you couldn't just, like, instantly fact check. And I think, like, a whole bunch of other people in the class, at first they thought I was just being like, you know, oh, great, you know, he, Mr. Know-it-all and shit. And they were going back and they were, like, watching, you know, Nam-era movies or stuff about Vietnam. And then they were like, yeah, he's right. He's right. So then every time that he would say, like, yeah, General Engian, uh Din Fu, you know, and then they would be like, no, it's when, like, the whole rest of the class was kind of jumping on him and shit, so. Uh, yeah. Some teachers, some professors, they just can't get their head out of their ass, Mm -mm. you know, and uh, we had like the discussion last night in that session where, you know, it comes down to how certain people, how they're so entitled Mm -hmm. as a professor there, they have like this entitlement, Yep. but then they're not necessarily like, like we started talking about last night that these professors are infatuated with teaching. Mm Mm-hmm. But they don't necessarily know what it's like. Right. They have an idea. They've seen videos. They've read the books. Right. Um, maybe they might have, you know, done a little hand-to-hand mm-hmm. on, on the certain curriculum that they're teaching. But mm-hmm. at the end of it, they don't really know what the fuck they're doing. Right. They're talking about. Like, they just know a bunch of facts that mm-hmm. they sometimes are not even facts. Right. And that's the issue. It's not really an issue, but <clears throat> that's what I I find a little funny about um hip hop academia mm-hmm. yep you know it's and i'm uh, you know just to kind of make sure that a lot of these professors or at least maybe a lot of maybe a small percentage of them mm-hmm. are actually like you know hip hop practitioners yeah where they 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 have breaked or you know they were MCs or mm-hmm. DJs and you know whatever you want to call those quote unquote hip hop elements mm-hmm. you know they've they've were practitioners and mm-hmm. still continue to practice but then a lot of these guys are like historians and yeah I don't know what the fuck they're talking about yeah which it's like and this is part of like why it gets it gets kind of frustrating for a lot of other folks and I can understand why like why they get so pissed off because for instance I could I could go ahead and inundate myself with you know reading um, cause I've, I've heard people say this, like sometimes like you'll be in a conversation with somebody and then someone will decide based on the topic to start quoting something that I know they read directly from Wikipedia. I mean, cause they almost kind of a goodwill hunting kind of a moment where yeah. like they just mastered just that verse mm-hmm. and they said, see, this is the, I'm, I'm an authority on this because, and I go, no, I read that Wikipedia article too. And I said, you know, but you didn't read the references. You've actually never been there. You don't have any real experience with this. So um, you have to dial it back and keep yourself a little bit more open, especially if you talk to, say, for instance, you're talking about, like, um, the history of capoeira, 
right? Like, you know, that would be a, a, a good example. There'll be people that think that they're an authority because they've watched a couple of movies. They've never practiced. They've never gotten into a holda. They've never learned um, uh, Portuguese. They've never traveled. And they never actually, like, mixed it up with capoeiristas to, you know, get into um, understanding, like, the, the root of this whole uh, uh, movement, this whole style. And then, of course, they can very conveniently tuck themselves away. And this is why the, the danger of ac- academia is that you could be that person that can go to someplace where nobody has any references or nobody knows. And then you can seem like you're the authority just because you memorized a bunch of, you know, bullet points and shit. And then now you're trying to, like, teach that. And that's typically, like, when we joke around about, like, the McDojo mall karate styles, there's a lot of guys that will figure out ways to say, well, you know what? Um, There's, like, 11 Taekwondo studios, like, all around here. How do I make myself different? Oh, I know. I'll take a Brazilian jiu-jitsu kind of weekend seminar, and then I'll turn around and, you know, get mats and open up a BJJ gym. And then they, they perpetrate. And then, of course, that's why, you know, things like lineage are important, your knowledge of the curriculum, um, your authority, are you recognized? And um, in Capoeira, they, they'll even do that, too, where they'll check in. They'll, they'll have, like, other people who find out that there's, like, a, um, a, a gym someplace that's teaching Capoeira, and then maybe they'll say, like, you know, who, um, who did you train under? What was your lineage? And the person will feed them whatever they want to feed them, and they go, okay. And then they'll turn around and they'll go and they'll actually call that person because they're connected. Because the, this is, you know, it's not like you just take anybody's word for it. You call up and you say, hey, Meister, I was just wondering, you know, you ever hear of this guy, uh, you know, Bob Johnson? And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, he, he took my he took my class for like a week and then he, he washed out or whatever. And it's like, and I haven't heard or seen anything. It's just like, oh, okay, well, do you know that he's over here in, you know, Kansas and he's teaching Capoeira? And, you know, he's kind of, you know, like given at the big end like he's he's been around and he's done all this shit and i never heard of him so i just wanted to double check with you and there's like that balance between like i said there's like there's gatekeeping which um is a lot of that real you know uh kind of narcissistic like you can only get access to this by like through me so if i like you and i indulge you then i'll let you but then there's like other people who are about like the community and the culture and they say actually i'm trying to protect this so that's why i want to check i'm not trying to undermine you but what i do want to make sure of is that whatever you're going to be teaching and passing on to people is going to be the real deal because if you don't it can very easily become a slap in the face because then some naive person who's really really like their heart and their head are all in like the right place they decide to go to brazil and then they go down there and like everybody just completely is like who the fuck taught you you know, who was your teacher? It's always, you know, um, Maestre Bob over in, you know, Kansas or whatever. And they're just like, well, whatever you learned, you need to unlearn. And, you know, and sometimes like people, if they don't, um, if they, if they don't take a kind of like self inventory, then they might get to a place where they, um, uh, they learned everything incorrectly. Now they're they're stuck on that path too. They're kind of like they've fallen into the same groove as the professor that they had followed so diligently, and then they're never going to be able to escape that. Or you know they can't get out of their shadow. Or they go to a university now, and now they're taking on that same habit of you know being like, oh, I'm an authority in this when they really aren't. And we you know we experience that shit all the time. You know when you go to like certain pockets where people they grew up on Bruce Lee movies. 
and they think that because they watched every single Bruce Lee movie or, um, you know, uh, Saturday, uh, like Kung Fu theater and stuff on Saturdays, that they have like an, a working knowledge of, you know, Chinese martial arts and Chinese culture. And it's like the, the films are just the tip of the iceberg. They're, they're, there's like so much subtle stuff that you're missing when you're watching something like that that you only learn when you go and you interact with Chinese people and you are, you know, brought in and invited into Chinese culture. And then, you know, you learn Chinese language and then all these other things start to make sense because then you watch that movie again and you go back and you go, oh, God damn, like they couldn't even put everything that they wanted to put into this film. They had to like really do like a an abridged version that was entertaining enough for us onlookers to get into. And then maybe like little winks and nods here to like, different aspects of the culture or various uh, parts of history or even sometimes you know when you get more into it you realize that they're like that version of that movie that told that story isn't true you know just like when everybody watches uh yip man or for the dumbasses out there ip man <laughs> you know and uh <laughs> like i've talked about yip man and then people would be like oh have you ever seen ip man and i go it's the same fucking dude idiot i'm like yeah yip man but um, they will watch those series of movies and they forget that those movies, even though they're very popular, th- most of that stuff, like probably like 90% of that, it didn't happen, you know, the, the way that they were showing it. Because you have to realize that it's a film, right? You have to make it entertaining. If you're making a series of movies, you have to say, okay, so what do we got to do now? Um, uh, let's send him up into space and now he's going to fight you know, Godzilla or some shit, you know, like they're, they're just going to go more and more farcical rather than making this a real biopic. That's supposed to be about like the facts of this person who was very impactful to the world of martial arts. And, um, and, you know, you see that a lot of times when people will mythologize elements of hip hop because, you know, they heard a certain narrative from a certain person and now they, they take that as a hundred percent gospel rather than going and like, checking their references and their resources and then talking to like maybe five other people that were from, you know, that are involved, but in different circles. And they'd say, okay, so this is what I heard. And then you would say it. And the person goes, okay, that's, yeah, that's the, that's the kind of the watered down thing that you would hear at the opening of the Olympics to discuss the history of breaking. But there's a lot more to that. There's a lot more level and depth to that than what you think. And um, so I think that that's, it's nice because it's a good launch pad because it, it makes people aware, you know, through, um, through media. Um, but just like with YouTube and just like with, um, all these other resources, they can put you on to the path, but it's your responsibility now to walk that path. So you have to say, just because I watched house dance footage and I'm copying the moves doesn't mean that I understand house any better. I'm going to have to go into a club or I'm going to have to go into different environments and circles and meet people and interact and engage to get a better understanding of beyond just the movement. And that's the dangerous part with like the professorship um, is that some people that don't practice at all, but they're really good at just stacking and bullshitting and, and archiving information too. Mm -hmm. And the, and like some of the people that I respect are the ones that will actually tell you the devil's advocate side of it where they say, okay, so in this class, I will teach you this. This is this is like what happened. But in other circles, the locals believe this. Mm-hmm. Or 
some people don't look at this guy as a hero. You know, in fact, they look at him as kind of like like he's like what was wrong with why you know shit went belly up or whatever, and that enriches you know the student a lot more, and it also teaches everybody to be very um, uh, to master the art of critical thinking, because if you just buy everything in as as legend and uh, turn that into fact, then sooner or later you're going to finally get to a place where by hook or by crook your hero is going to have to be you know taken down like you're gonna have to show that you know superman can bleed and then that can fuck people's heads up because then they go everything's a lie i don't know i don't know my place like i've been doing this for 20 years and i just and so and so just dropped this bomb on me and you're like yeah but if you really love it and you really understand it then you should have expected this and it's like this was really cool when you were 14 you idolize this person or this style or this thing or whatever and then you go in and you really like look learn the history and then you appreciated it so much more and it makes you so much more complete in your personal journey because you took the time to keep an open mind and say, okay, I understand that, you know, this movie, um, you know, case in point with Bruce Lee, right? A lot of people based everything on his accomplishments on based off of his movies and not off the real guy, which is dangerous because of course, when you're doing a movie, you can kick everyone's ass because you are the hero. You are the lead. You you notice that he barely got hit, or if he did, he tasted his blood and he spat it and got even more fierce. But it's like, but how many people have actually seen him engage in real combat or in a real street fight or in a real uh, gym quarrel? You know, there's a very small group of people that did. And then you have to be able to take all that information and disseminate it and listen to each uh, each person and then kind of put everything together and then go, okay, so based off of what, I, what I've heard or what I know or, or talked to this person, this is this. But also, like you said, the disclaimer, I wasn't there. I wasn't there at Wong Jack Men's uh, fight with Bruce Lee. So I can't say that Bruce did or didn't do X, Y, or Z or ABC. But that's a very <clears throat> dangerous habits, a habit that, that people have. And I think part of it is because you know, going back on like an evolutionary scale, we want to seem as if we're like more informed because that's how you survived in the tribe. You're like, oh, I saw the whole thing. You know, he killed a dragon that was 50 feet tall. And it's like, no, actually it was a guy with a dragon on his shield. People can see you're full of shit. Yeah, you know. And, but then like to the impressionable and the people who are like really ignorant about it, they're like, really? Oh my God. And then now they're going to go around and they're going to create this, this this legend based off of this miscommunication that one person decided to do, and um, and then you have other folks who are very very humble, who are it's crazy because like they were there, and like and you're kind of like well what what really happened you know like what really happened at you know Paradise Garage back in you know 1979, and the person can tell you and they say well you know but also just to be honest. I wasn't up there in the DJ booth with Larry Levan, you know, I was down in the dance floor getting down. So I can tell you what I, what I know, but I'm not going to lay claim and say that I'm the fucking, the end all be all authority. You want to find out the truth about Larry Levan. You got to talk to the people that were like elbow to elbow with that cat and stuff. I can just tell you, you know, I knew the reputation or maybe I met him twice or, you know, I bumped into him at a record store, but I'm not going to turn around and be like, Oh yeah, we're best friends. We knew each other from, you know, way back when, unless that really happened. 
So yeah, it's it's dangerous when you get into like the academia side of it. But it's like just not even in academia too. It's like just the people in the scene in general. Mm-hmm. Like uh, I've come to realization like years ago that I'm going to take what everyone talks about like a grain of salt, mm-hmm. like grain of rice. Very wise, you know, because it's just <clears throat> man, I could I could literally sniff bullshit. Yeah, like any time. Right, and if you re- and I, a lot of the times I just say, damn, that's cool, man. Yep. And then that, because it's like, I already fucking know, dude. I mm-hmm. know you're fucking lying about right. this shit. You know, like, I kn- I don't know, understand, like, why can't people just be real? Right. And just say, look, I wasn't there. Yeah. <laughs> or, look, I, I didn't do it. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, for me, people would ask me, like, why'd you start dancing? For fucking girls. Yeah. Like, that's why. Mm-hmm. Right. To an extent, nowadays, it's still the same fucking reason. I'm a single mm-hmm. guy. Yeah. Like, sure, man. Just to kind of, like, stretch it out. But, like, right. now it's, like, no, it's a bigger purpose. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, okay, well, I kind of started something for my own well-being here in Minnesota. I mm-hmm. didn't start house here. No. But I started something for my own well-being, so I might as well keep growing it and right. see if something beautiful happens from it. Mm-hmm. Have I made mistakes? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Are there people that are no longer the scene because of the actions that I've done? Yep. Absolutely. Or things I've said more mm-hmm. more than anything. Because I was a prick, mm-hmm. you know, back then. But we grow. Mm-hmm. We grow. We learn our mistakes. We own up to it. Right. Like, you know, case in point, last night, you informed me that someone in the scene wasn't too fond mm-hmm. of me. And did I mean any bad intentions? Absolutely not. But maybe it was my intensity back then. Yeah. That people couldn't take. Right. <clears throat> because that's what I fucking did for myself. Mm-hmm. And that's why I got to where I'm at today. Because exactly. of the intensity that... I'm not trying to compare myself to Kobe Bryant or <clears throat> Michael Jordan. But mm-hmm. when I do see that type of mentality, it's kind of a mentality that I ingrained in myself. Not from them, mm-hmm. but just like, shit, if you want something, you got to really dig deep for it. Right, you gotta exactly. It. You got you to gotta drill it and you got to understand it and be quick about it. Right. And if if people can't if people can't follow you on that end, then it is what it is. Yeah. Fuck them. Right. You know, like, <laughs> like, just with all due respect, fuck you if you can't. Right. Because if you really want it for yourself, you're going to make it happen. Yeah, exactly. And, and the tough part, I think, is that, you know, this person was, they were, they were projecting intent without really knowing you all the way through and through. Yeah, and, so and it, I've spoken nothing about but good things yeah, exactly. about this person. Right. Like, you know, when she's not in the room, mm-hmm. I'm like... What the fuck? (laughs) But it's like, but I think that that also goes back to kind of like um, the same thing that I've seen happen. Um, I've seen it happen in like the workplace. I've also seen it in gyms like uh, dojos and things like that where there might be people that are there that are kind of expecting that the teacher is going to be helicoptering around them or their boss is going to be helicoptering around them. And they're just like, okay, well, you've gotten the training. So, okay, get on the line and start doing the job and the person goes well wait i i thought you were going to be like my best friend and you know hold my hand through this and stuff and they go no i'm your supervisor or i'm the shift leader i'm the person that trained you but i can't you know continue to walk around and like raise you like you have to go take the the things that i've given you and you have to apply them now and and i know that some people they have different emotional um uh either demands or needs um certain expectations and sometimes people are never vocal about that like up front so then when 
they go to that dojo and they don't get Mr. Miyagi that they were hoping for. They just get, you know, Mr. Smith, who's just like, hey, okay, that's all cool, but do your push-ups, right? Do your drills. And the person's like, oh, but I I thought you were going to, like, have me standing on the end of a boat on one foot and, you know, telling me some words of wisdom and stuff. And they're like, hey, you know, I am, like, aside from martial arts, I'm not really good at anything else. So I don't know what you're looking for. I don't know if you're looking for Taoist wisdom or you know, Confucius say this or any of that kind of stuff, but this is what I can teach you. This is what I know, and this is what I'm good at, and this is what I can teach you. And again, that's part of like the thing that can kind of mess up people is sometimes it's not, it's not you. It's my expectation of you. That was the problem. I expected to have, and I've had this happen numerous times where I've gone to different pockets and met people that I really respected in the dance community. And they were just kind of like, look me up and down, like, oh, okay, cool. And then they just walk off. Yeah, like, yeah. And I'm like, you know, the ego side of it is just like, you know, at first you're like, man, fuck this guy. You know, he, he doesn't give two shits, you know, da-da-da-da-da. And then you have to be real, though, about it and say, but let me put myself in this person's shoes. This person is a champion, dancer right like they've gone around they've done all this stuff they meet thousands of people yeah thousands yeah so am i so bold and so fucking great and am i so delusional to believe that just on this one encounter they're going to memorize everything about me and the next time i see them at a jam or whatever they're just going to be like hey that's right you're left-handed and you're you know five foot seven I mean, or it, this or that. it's a small chance right right it's a small chance to where that happened because that's happened to me where yeah. i've traveled to certain jams and then like these people that have come in as like special guests in minnesota mm-hmm. have remembered me and they're yeah. like oh dude how are you doing blah, right. blah blah which is nice right but i don't expect that from anyone exactly you know and and call what it is disappointment or whatever like Mm -hmm. that's why i've learned to take things with a grain of salt right because it's just it is what it is right you know at the end of the day people live their lives and Mm -hmm. unless you're family to them right then it's another story but if you're not then i don't expect you to i expect to introduce myself to you at least a hundred times right and you get you get those things the this is this is another problem that i think it it comes uh part and parcel with uh, expectation is that everything will happen in its own like designated time. You can't set your watch to it. You can't be like, okay, so this time when I go to this event, I'm going to run into that person. I'm going to say this joke. It's going to charm them. We're going to become best friends and then we're going to have bunk beds and we're going to, you know, I'm going to be like, you know, training with this person or whatever. It's like, no, you keep your head down. I mean, you know, like dance wise, you know, you keep your head up, right? But like your attitude, keep your head down and focus on whatever it is that you're trying to do. Focus on the moment. And focus on the moment. Yeah. And in that moment, if there happens to be this or- organic conversation that pops up, sure. great. But if it doesn't, that's okay. It, it's not like you don't feel like you failed because you didn't get to get that discipleship with that person or become best friends with that person or have that person laugh at your joke or whatever. Cause also sometimes like I've even met some of my heroes that my expectation was this person was like super profound and they were just like, like I said, like, you know, sensei Bob or sensei Dan or whatever, where they're just like, I don't think anything ethereal or philosophical about this. I just move. Right. 
you know, and then you go, oh, okay. And because you understand that, you can you can respect whatever wherever they're at, just like they can respect wherever you're at. And then over time, if you build, because you know you're constantly showing up at things, they see you, they see that you're putting in the work. They might all of a sudden decide to give you that gem, or maybe maybe that was a side of of them that they didn't feel that they were ready to give to just a random stranger. Because again, how many times have we done that in life in general, where you find somebody who does the same shit that you do so you go ahead and you give them like you know the keys and say hey here's everything and the person just goes okay cool and then they walk off they never talk to you again right and then you feel very dismissed or um like overlooked or disrespected or whatever and you know you you, but you had this thing where you kind of made it all like personal as opposed to you go okay so obviously this person is not like we're not on like the same um playing field you know um and then you run into other folks where the reason why they like to talk to you is because the first things out of your mouth were not like, hey, you, you know, remember that one battle, that time when you did that thing and, and stuff? And they go, I don't even remember that battle, honestly. Like, I mean, I remember being there and I remember I won the, mm-hmm. the event, but I mean, I don't, I don't know. I was just so in the moment. And they're like, what were you thinking in that third round when... Uh, he said that thing to you, and then you did something back. And, and it's like, some people are like, I don't fucking know. Like, yeah. I'm so past that moment. It's like, and, I don't know. I don't care. And and what you have to remember, too, is that you watching this footage, it's brand new in your mind. But you didn't look down at, like, the, the, date. the, the date, the description. That was back in 2016. This person's like, yo, I learned a lot since then. Or my attitude might have changed. Or I might have evolved. Or, you know, what have you. So we can't put people into the boxes that we kind of develop for them. We have to let them be them. And then um, if you take a step back and you take a step outside of yourself, uh, for instance, like, you know, with you, it's like I can see I can see why a person would misinterpret that as like, oh, I think, you know, he's being really mean to me because he's just so, like, standoffish or he's so he's so just like – one word answer. Well, one, I'm an introvert. Right. (laughs) I mean, come on. (laughs) Right. Like, I'm a fucking introvert, guys. Right. Like, dude, like, can I be extrovert? Absolutely, because I'm a sales guy, too. Right. Which is kind of ironic, but it works out for Mm -hmm. me. I mean, Mm -hmm. it it does. But it's, here's the, we've discussed this before. Mm -hmm. This is what happens when you say, I want you to mentor me. Mm -hmm. When that happens, it's a whole nother level because right. there's a difference now. Right. now. Now my reactions are different because, all right, you want me to mentor you. I'm going to put you through the same shit that I went through. And I'm going to expect you to do the same shit that I do mm-hmm. because this is what I had to fucking do. Right. I don't care if you're, if you identify, I don't give a fuck what your pronouns are mm-hmm. or if you identify as a male, female, or they, whatever, you're going to do exactly what I fucking right. did to, to get to where I'm at right. today. Because that, that's really the payoff is if you have the discipline and the heart and the hard work, then this can be accessible by anybody. But not everybody has that. Not everybody has that push within themselves to say, you know what? I know that I want everybody to compliment me on you know, my hairstyle today. I changed my hair. I want everybody to like, validate me and see me for you know, doing something outwardly you know, to appeal to everybody, but anybody who's really about like the craft there, it's, it's like, 
oh, I, people will, might you know, give you a compliment or whatever, and you go, oh, thank you. But you're back to your, your push-ups. You're back to your drills. You're back to, okay, so show me that footwork pattern again. You know, because I'm, I'm still trying to, like, remember how to do that from class last week, and I'm struggling with it. Can you show me again? Can you show me again? Hey, I'm going to send you some footage. Can you help me with this? Yeah. And the person will give you those notes, and then it's your responsibility to actually use that knowledge. Even if you don't fully agree, you might say, well, I don't think that you saw the same thing that I saw or that you feel the same thing that I feel. That, that's cool in the gang, but maybe give it a try because if you if you give it a go, you might stumble into a place where you go, I was completely neglecting my left side in my footwork. Or I was completely, I thought that what I was doing was the shit, but actually now that I've had somebody like really like cut it apart, they were able to give me better insight and say, okay, so what you were doing was like kind of like speaking a language. You're, you're using, like, you're self-taught, so you're getting by with this. Like, people know what you want when you walk to a store and you want to, you know, order something. But now you're standing in front of a crowd of people and you're supposed to be, like, addressing them. And you're mumbling your words or you're not really that articulate or the point that you're trying to, you know, make isn't really hitting the crowd. So here, here's a couple of notes that I've developed because of my failures, my tough breaks and my beats. And hopefully this will help you because, and the reason why they're giving you that is because they see your potential and you have to respect that and honor that. But I think that it's, um, like you said, it's, it's tough when somebody will say, you know, Hey, um, you know, I want you to mentor me. And then they aren't going to really like put in the effort. And what they expect is for you to basically show up at their doorstep wake them up in the morning, take them on a five-mile run, stand on their back as they're doing push-ups, and be around and constantly shadow them. It's like, no, it's like your responsibility is that if I give you the homework assignment, I expect it to be ready by Monday, you know? That's I, literally what it is, too. Yeah. It's like the, the, another thing, too, is, you know, a lot of these people want to get good mm -hmm. at certain things. Well, do you practice outside of class? Right. Do you practice outside of recession? Right. Because if you don't, then you're obviously doing it wrong for mm -hmm. your own well-being. You may be a talented motherfucker and right. might not have to practice outside a session or what have you, mm -hmm. but still, are you thinking about it yeah. at that point? And, yeah. and, and those are the people that, that actually do have the kind of uh, like what some people might say is like the touch, right? Is that person where everybody else is off, you know, celebrating after the end of the game and they're back on the court shooting free throws. And they're like, yeah, we, we won, but, you know, we just barely won. I want to make sure that, uh, that my, uh, you know, my, my jumper is actually better. I, I noticed that there was a couple of creaks and squeaks in it, and I need to fix that. And everybody else is like, damn, man, you're fucking so obsessed. And it's like, but that's what it takes if you want to be on that level. Yeah. And then if you don't, like if you're very, like, at peace and – um, you're serene about the fact that you're like, ah, oh, well, you know, it's not whether I win or lose. It's how I play the game. And I know that I was playing the game very, very well within myself. Then cool. You can be, you can be satisfied with that. And well, that's what it comes down to is like, if you're satisfied with your performance, then there's nothing to be too mad about. Right. I mean, the result didn't go in your favor, mm -hmm. but did you do good? Yeah. Like, yeah, I felt like I did good. Yeah. Then that's all that fucking matters at the end right. of the day. Because like, you, you know, personally, even if you didn't win, that wasn't your night. 
you put in the reps. You're like, I, I'm still, I'm still getting up and running three miles yep. every day, and I'm still getting under the bench. But, but this is a problem that I think that people get, um, and some people think it's like a new generational thing. I think it's just a human thing, is that when stuff gets easy, then a lot of people still want to have like the the same results as the days of when it was like difficult. Yeah, it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. It's like, you know, as much as you want to sit down with the personal trainer and talk about your fitness goals, that is cool to the extent that, you know, you're just chit-chatting, but you have to be real. You have to get under the bar. Mm-hmm. You have to get your reps in. Otherwise, what's going to happen, and I've warned people about this, is that you're sitting here like, oh, this is too heavy. You know, can you pick this up? So now it's their victory, not yours. They're getting stronger, you know, because they're the one who did the work for you, right? They, they were the one who spotted you, but eventually they just had to fucking pick up the bar and start curling it, you know? And there are a lot of dance teachers that are like that too, where it's like they don't give a fuck about their students. They don't care about their students' development. They're like, you guys already paid me 50 bucks a head to, to show up to this class. So I'm just going to have you watch me dance, yeah, which is, which is terrible. Yeah. And then there's like those other teachers who say, okay, you know what? I want, even if you guys gave me $5, you know, a person, I want to make sure that this is worth your time. So I'm going to find that person in the back that maybe is looking down at their feet and not paying attention or hoping that they don't get like, you know, chosen. And I'm going to actually, you know, bring them like up and, and work with them. And then what you're doing too is you're also sharpening your sword by knowing how to teach people who are complete novices who have like two left feet and making them into where they can find a sense of uh, accomplishment and confidence and satisfaction and say, Hey, I can do this. It's, it's just like anything else. It's a skill. It takes time. It takes practice. It takes patience. It takes discipline. And, um, but I think that a lot of people, they struggle and they go on to like, you know, they got all these self-help books. They, watch all these people on YouTube. They do all this other stuff to try to inundate themselves with like information to kind of make them, you know, feel good, but they don't do the number one thing, which is they don't put in the work. Yeah. They don't act. They just, so they overstimulate themselves with, you know, all the hoorah, which is right. fine. Cause I, I watch that stuff too. Mm-hmm. I watch it too. I, I listen and read books every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, usually my routine is from like the minute I wake up, up until maybe five or six, I don't have any music on. It's just straight up audiobook, podcasts, or I'm reading something. Like, right. Or I'm, it's silence mm-hmm. from there because that's my work time. That's where I make the, make the most money out mm-hmm. of the day. So, you know, music is my fun time. Right. You know what I mean? Like, um, but, but then during that time, I'm still working. Right. Like, I'm applying what I'm learning through these books or what I'm watching in these videos and, and shit like that. Yeah. You know, because it's important. Right. You know, like, knowledge is not fucking power. It's applied knowledge that's power. Exactly. You know, like, too many people have fucking knowledge. Right. You know, they, they know how to do certain things, <laughs> but they don't fucking do them. Well, I, like, I, I try to point that out to people in the aspect that, yeah, knowledge, some people say knowledge is power, but it's actually wisdom. That's that's real power. That's applied knowledge and also learning a lesson, learning that maybe what you thought you knew when you put it into motion wasn't necessarily so. And then you were like, oh, okay, I have to go back and like re redraw the plans. I have to change things. I have to make these micro changes and adapt. 
And then after that, now you've, you've gained this wisdom and this experience. And then that's the stuff that really gets you through very difficult times and situations in life. Um, there's a, there's a friend of mine who, um, was, uh, struggling with a lot of stuff and I'm, I don't want to get into detail just out of respect for that person's situation but there was a point where he kind of put it on me where he said like he said okay say the thing that's going to make me course correct my entire life I'm putting this completely on you and it was kind of like that scene from Talladega Nights I was like don't you put that evil on me Ricky Bobby <laughs> because it, it angered me that somebody was like, you know what? I don't want to take any responsibility for any of the shit that I've done in my life to put me into this place in the here and the now. You are going to have responsibility and you're going to steer this ship out of the, you know, out of the, uh, the place that I'm stuck in. And I was like, that's so unfair. And that's so, um, uh, irresponsible because I'm like, who the fuck ever does that for me? And I'm not saying that like in that I want that. I'm saying that, you know, who who has ever gone out of their way to show up when, you know, I'm in like a really, really, really bad spot and say, don't worry, I'm going to make it all better. I'm going to fix it, whatever the problem is. Um, the people that were really clutch in my life, you know, you are, are one of them, um, are people who said, hey, I... I either know what you're going through or I don't know what you're going through, but something's wrong. If you need anything, I'm here. And just that was fuel enough for me to say, okay, I can, I can get through this. And I did get through it and I prevailed in several cases and situations. But there's other folks that are out there that kind of say, you know what? I don't want to pay that bill that I owe, right? Like I, I did all this stuff for, you know, sometimes even decades, decades of bad habits and, you know, incorrect thinking and negativity or, you know, selfishness or whatever, whatever the thing is that's holding them back. And then they want to flip it and they want to put it on you and say, okay, so it's your responsibility now to make me feel good about my life and about my decisions. And the problem is, and this is what they don't see. This is the deception is that say you decide to do that, right? You feel really bad for them and you say, okay, whatever it is that you need, you need me to, you know, bail you out and, you know, fix whatever's wrong. Cool. I'll do it. You've gotten stronger. You know, you're the one because you showed that you were able to perform under pressure. This person didn't. This person was like, now you've, you've taken the debt off of their shoulders. And then being that they're already, they've already got a broken wheel, every place else they go, they're going to accumulate the same debt again. They're going to go right back into the same shitter. You know, it's like, like a, like a compulsive gambler. Like, I just need $500. I just need $500, and then I can get back in the game. And then you're like, okay, if I give you this $500, what if you, what if you win? And you, you come out with $1,000. you are still under five grand. You know, you've, like, lost your house. You've lost your car. You've lost your family. Everything else you've lost. But, you know, if I just give this to you, it's going to buy you maybe a little bit more time before your ultimate demise, Right. But if you, if that person finally says the magic words and they go, yeah, maybe I got a gambling problem. And then you're like, okay, you know, do you, do you need a ride to, you know, a therapy session or, you know, do you need 
um, you know, do you need me to like, you know, call and check in on you and like, you know, see how you're doing, kind of do like a wellness thing. Then now that person is like, okay, yeah, I'm, I think I need to reassess and reevaluate my decisions that I've made. Cause they put me to this place where I'm not happy, but all I'm doing now is I'm reacting. I'm reacting to you. And, and you see that a lot of times when people are in a bad place and they start lashing out at everybody that's within arm's reach and you go, what the fuck? This like I'm your your brother or I'm your cousin or I'm your your best friend or your spouse or whatever. It's just like, why the fuck are you hitting me? You know, and it's because they can't hit their boss or they can't hit the the nameless, faceless circumstance that's like hurting them in life, right? So they have to go after something that's tangible, something that they can see and that's like right in front of them. And oftentimes that's. Those are the, those are your friends, the people that are close to you, the people that respect you or love you or care for you. So it's it's very tough when you meet that or you see that like even in like students, and they kind of almost want to just like say, okay, me showing up, just give me the the participation trophy, give me the the Red Bull BC One belt because I showed up, and I'm like. Unless you got a whole bunch of hidden talents that I haven't fucking seen, it's like, you know, how like why why do you think that you should just be given this rather than earn, right? And that person goes, you know what, you're right. And then they go off and they they go on their walkabout. They say, okay, I show up every week for class. I train with you. Um, I ask you questions. I might send you footage, or I might do this, or I might do that. And then two weeks from now, I'm going to be over in Europe, and I'm going to be competing. Or I'm going to be at this cipher at, you know, in some nameless place in Brooklyn. And then, uh, you know, I'm going to be like, come back and go like, oh, my God, coach, guess what? You know, I fucking did this, this, and this. And you're like, right on, you know. It's like now they're they're the ones who are in the driver's seat uh, commanding the their progress. Like, they, they have a say in it. And that's what a lot of people think. It's, it's very delusional. They They act as if, like... I'm really super dope. It's just that the world is not giving it to me. They're not recognizing me. They're not seeing me. I felt I feel unseen. And it's like, well, there's a lot of other people that also feel unseen, but everybody knows who they are and everybody respects them. And they're just like, yo, I just don't even fucking think about it. I just go out and I just do the damn thing. Mm-hmm. I put in the work and then I go out and I apply it. Yep. And, you know, it's it's tricky because you have to take on like all these other like roles of like almost like a psychologist and like a uh, um, a mentor or like an older sibling or like, you know, a coach and, and all these other things. But the student also has to realize that they have a responsibility. And that can be, you know, my responsibility is my coach shows up every day or, you know, Monday, Wednesday, Friday from, you know, 7 to 9. And they're always here, but I'm not. And then I show up, you know, like once in a great while, and then I'm upset that I'm not getting the results that I think that I deserve. And it's like, okay, well, that's the difference between you and your coach. Your coach is here all the time. You're not. So you can't throw that on your coach. You can't say, well, it's my, or it's your fault that I'm not getting better. Or I think you're putting more effort and attention into these other students and you're not paying attention to me. And the person goes, I'm paying, I'm paying attention to whoever's in front of me. So if you're here, you know, um, even like sometimes like the people that were the most impressive were the ones that maybe they showed up every day, even if they didn't have any talent, right? But they just gave it their all 
and then you watch how they improve. And then even when they make like small improvements, it's like you're going like, wow, yeah, this person's actually starting to get, they're starting to dance. They're getting better. They're, they're getting a better sense of timing and rhythm and confidence and stuff. And then, you know, then there's like a, those other people that were very fickle with their, their abilities and they dropped out of the scene, jumped back in. And then now, now they're all butthurt because people got better than them. And they're like, wait, you used to be the guy that I could always count on as being like the, the worst dancer. And now you're like one of the best or you're actually like respected and stuff. Man, fuck this. This is stupid. You know, and they kind of act as if like it was cheating. Um, but you cheated yourself. You played yourself because you decided that you, again, that expectation, you thought everyone was going to stay stagnant and you could just drop out for 20 years and then come back in and everything was going to be right where you left it. You know, it's like, no, that's not realistic. That's not true. Everything is moving forward. And if you don't move forward with it, you're going to be left behind. You know what I'm saying? So, I don't know. That was that was a rant. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's a good rant. Yeah. It's a good rant. Yeah. I mean, kind of lost my train of thought. Mm. But kind of just going back to... Um, but to the whole deal of just having to want it. I mean, it's not rocket science. Mm-hmm. You just literally have to put in the work. Right. Um, but at the same time, we're all adults here. Yeah. So know your limits. Yeah. And like, and this is just for anyone that ever comes up to me. They're like, you know, I want you to mentor me. Mm-hmm. Know your limits and I'll understand them. Yeah. But be vocal about it. Exactly. You know, don't just assume because if you're not saying shit, then, all right, well, I'm going to put you through the ringer. Mm-hmm. And if I don't see you at such and such, or if I mention something and you're not there, then what can we do? Right. You know, then <clears throat> I just go back to doing my own thing. Yeah. And that's happened plenty of times. Yeah. Um, there are teachers out there. There's instructors out there that are that are all about digging deep with their students, mm-hmm. you know, emotionally. Like, Joelle's, like, one of them. She's really fantastic at it. She's mm-hmm. really – she's a phenomenal instructor. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you look at the size of her classes, she has, like, what, at minimum 20, 20 to yeah. 30 heads in there. For a good reason. For a good reason because she's so, amazing. She's yeah. really good at what she does. And I'm proud to say that she was one of my earlier students in the mm-hmm. house. Yep. You know, like, she, we didn't really go full way in mm-hmm. terms of, like, me, like, mentoring her and, and, like, really, you know, giving her, like, the – the whole gist of this is what needs to happen if you want to get to such and such. Mm-hmm. But she took it upon herself and she created something amazing for herself. Yeah. So, you know, there's two teaching styles right there. Yeah. There's her teaching style where she digs deep emotionally with her students mm-hmm. and there are students that need that. Mm-hmm. And there's my teaching style where it's like, I am sincere mm-hmm. with my students, but we're going to work. Yeah. You know, like, and not saying she that Joel doesn't work. Babe, mm-hmm. she fucking puts them through the ringer too. Right. But my intensity is a little different than Joel's. Right. You know, we have her specific ways of approaching certain things. Mm-hmm. I don't really like to talk about feelings too much, you know, like, or I don't really like to dig deep too much because at the end of the day, like it's a personal thing for me. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, that's what happens. That's, that comes in when you're like, all right, I'll, let's fucking do this shit. Yeah, twenty four seven. Let's go. I want to. I want to be one of the best. Right. You know. I want to. I want to make it past top sixteen, top right. eight. I want to make to some. I want to make it to the finals. Right. In competitions, I want to travel. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's dig deep now. Yeah. But until then, we'll just we'll just have some fun. We'll work. Right. 
And that's how I base my classes off. Of. Yeah. yeah. Well, I was like the, the line that you say when you open up with the warm up. you're like, we're going to all suffer together. Yeah. You know, because that shows too that, um, and, uh, Jardy even says this too, that like, uh, when I've talked to him about, uh, teaching, he said, um, one of the reasons why he teaches, um, it's not, it's not actually from a selfish perspective, but it is for him as well as for his students. Cause he says it helps me to stay sharp. Yeah. And I'm like, that's a great attitude to have. Cause there's like some other people who are just like, Oh God, I got to fucking teach the beginner's class today and I don't want to or whatever. And it's like, I'd rather just be out, you know, playing and doing my own thing or whatever. And, um, but then there's like other people who figure out again, changing your perspective completely changes the dynamic of the move. You know, like I've said this about jujitsu numerous times where you're in almost the same spot, but because your foot is, you know, five inches to the left, it completely changes your leverage. And now you were in a place that was from disadvantage now into advantage. You can sweep that person or you can hip bump or you can, you know, uh, secure an arm lock or, or whatever you're doing um, based on your perspective. And the oftentimes the people that do the most and the like the most successful, they're almost in the same place as the other person. It's just that their perspective is different. And that's why when it's finally time for them to get up on the podium and receive the gold medal, they're worthy of it and they do it where that other person was like, man, I had, I had all, everything. Like I was, I'm a good dancer. Um, I got all these moves and this and this and this, but I just didn't want it bad enough. Well, and they don't push, they don't, they, they're not, like you said, they're not vocal within themselves to say, okay, well, if that's okay, I, mean, I can accept that if, as long as I know. And I say, well, you know, I had the talent, but I just didn't have the drive to do this. So, that's cool. Um, just be honest with yourself. Yeah. You know, like, I'm honest with myself with breaking. Mm-hmm. Dude, the shit just got too fucking hard, and it mm-hmm. got too boring for my own well-being. Mm-hmm. Like, I just, it didn't excite me anymore. Right. I'd rather just be a fan, mm-hmm. you know, than be, right. than, like, fully, like, will I dabble? Of course I'll right. dabble, you know? Right. It's fucking, it's the first love of my life mm-hmm. in dance. Right. But you're probably not going to really maybe it's like a one two percent chance that you'll see me enter a breaking battle today you know because breaking is it's an art but let's be real it's a fucking sport too like you have to train for that shit right like house you can get by but there still has to be a training component to it Mm -hmm. breaking you have to fucking train like you literally are an athlete right like you have to condition your body for certain things because you will get injured. Mm-hmm. You will fucking face a mental block yeah. at that given moment. Like right. it's no fucking joke. Right. I mean, yeah, it's all, it's all fun and just vibing and doing your thing. But I mean, at the end of dude, it's intense. Yeah. It's fucking intense. <laughs> it's, it's like one of the things that I thought about once upon the time of Minnesota Joe was this, is that, you know, some people, they say, well, you know, I, uh, I train so I can be a good dancer. And what Joe actually trains for is he doesn't even train for the finals. He trains for the fucking after party cipher. That that's like that's how much he's got in the gas tank. Like he's that guy that's like, you know, okay, more than likely I'm going to make it to the finals. But I got to make sure that I have like a overabundance in the tank because, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. You know, maybe somebody's going to really pull, you know, some crazy like uh dynamic move and I have to be able to answer that. So that's one of the things that I appreciate when people don't simply train for 
you know, the round. They train for the entire match, the entire career, their entire life, right? Mm-hmm. There's no off day. There's no like, okay, well, you know what? It's going to be three months before my next event, so I'm going to sit on the couch and, you know, wait until about like eight weeks out and then kind of kick myself in the ass. It's like as soon as like they get home, they're the next day they're back and they're they're working on shit. And that's how that person's going to eternally stay sharp, you know, and you some people will look at that and go, God, that's so fucking obsessive, though. And this is like, but this is what they love and what they want to do. They don't even want to just win. They they just want to constantly just be, you know, putting themselves like on the, the rack. They want to. So like, you know, for me, I'm quasi training for not quasi, but I'm training for um, House Dance Forever. Mm-hmm. I'm not training for the battles. I'm training to perform at a peak level for yep. my own well-being. Yeah. You know, and because of that, I'm getting even hungrier now. Like, yeah. like food wise, like fuck, dude, I'm so hungry. Right. You know, and and then I was like thinking about, it, I'm like, why the fuck am I so hungry all of a sudden? And then I'm like, fuck, it's because I'm training. Yeah, yeah. Like that's why, because my body needs the calories now. Yep. Yep. Like as before, where it was just like golf season, and I'm just walking, you know, mm-hmm. four hours a day. Like it didn't really need the calories because right. it wasn't at an intense level. Yeah. But, like, now it's like, oh, shit. Yeah. And I'm, like, going to the gym at, like, 5 a.m., like, doing certain, like, functional workouts to get my legs prepped and stuff mm-hmm. for the battles and then for the parties and yeah. just walking right. in Amsterdam alone because I don't like to take public transportation. You know, I like to walk the cities mm-hmm. and shit, and it's just, like, I have to get my myself ready for that type yeah. of stuff. And, yeah, it's... It makes a it makes a huge difference. Yep. So that's why I tell people like, dude, if fucking train, man. Yeah. Because it makes such a big difference. And the older you get, the more you have to train. Yeah. Yeah. Like the younger, you know, when I was young, I was like, a, it's a it, it's a shitty thing because it's a mental thing too, right? Because mm-hmm. when you're young, it's so much fun mm-hmm. that like you're just constantly doing it. Yeah. You know, with break for me, when I started breaking, it was at a really young age. I was 11, 12. Right. It was in 2001. Right. And I was constantly breaking. Yeah. Like, it didn't fucking matter. I was breaking at school in the hallways during, mm-hmm. you know, the hall pass. I yep. was breaking in my basement. I was constantly dancing, dancing, because it was so much fucking fun. Mm-hmm. And if I did get an injury, it would heal within a, within like a split second. Yeah. Cause I was young. I was on my mom's health insurance. Mm-hmm. It was all hunky dory. And then when I reached my teens, it started getting serious mm-hmm. where I'm like, fuck, I got to train. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like I got to show up for my crew. Yeah. And now at this age, it's more of like a, I need to train just so I could, I could live till like 90 Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. I could perform at a peak level for mm-hmm. my own well being. And, um, you know, like, I don't really give a fuck too much about the competition. Right. But I just want to, like, feel good yeah. while I'm doing it. Exactly. And, and again, you know, the thing that, like, um, even sometimes, like, when I, when I come out to session, there'll be a lot of times where when I'm out in, at session, I'm not really dancing all that much. And I feel more of a pull towards conditioning because of, you know, previous injuries and stuff. And some people might, you know, go like, oh, you know, he must be phoning it in. He must be lazy or whatever. And it's like, but they don't, they don't see the, you know, 21 hours leading up to, you know, that time. Like they don't know what I was doing the rest of my day. 
because I also went to the gym and I lifted. I went to the sauna. I did an ice bath. I was doing all this other stuff. So now I'm kind of like when I come out to sessions, sometimes it's like it's more like a uh, uh, like a controlled cool down. Or if it's just cipher time, then I'll just cipher. Like if there's if there's a, an energy and a vibe, then I'll, I'll work on that. Um, and again, you know, it's about expectations, right? Some people might see because they, they, they think that like what you basically did was you woke up and you just waited until it was time to come out to a session. And they go, man, you weren't really doing shit out of session. And it's just like the same shit, you know, with, with you, right? It's just like people might be like, God damn, Ozzy's not really dancing that much. And I was like, but do you see how much like darker he is right now? He was out all fucking day golfing. So yeah, and I know, walked, and too. he walked his ass off. I didn't ride. That's right, a four hour walk. <laughs> right, so it's like, so you know, Ozzy's just being uh, gracious enough to like unlock the doors and turn the lights on for us, and then maybe if he if he feels like he's getting a second wind, he'll get in and get down. So don't put your expectation on anybody else. Have yeah. the, your expectation for you. Well, and dude, like that whole thing too with me, like fucking playing golf. At 5 a.m., I woke up to work out, too. Mm-hmm. So I woke up to work out at 5 a.m. I met my tea time at, like, 9 a.m. Right. That's four hours. Yep. So that's at 5 a.m., me conditioning, running, and mm-hmm. jogging for, like, 10 minutes, and then doing, like, certain like functional workouts to yep. get my muscles and get the blood flowing and get mm-hmm. everything geared up. Right. To go play golf, and mm-hmm. then from there, my legs are already, like, cramped up. Right. And, like... You know, they're saying, fuck you, to, yeah. like, constantly every single every single step. It's like, fuck you. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, from there, it's like, okay, well, now I got to dance. Yep. You know, and I got to I gotta maintain. Right. And that's a big thing. Yep. People don't fucking maintain. Right. They don't, like, they wonder, like, I'm so rusty. No shit, motherfucker. You never, you, like, you haven't maintained. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. what do you think? Right. I mean, that's the whole point of, you know, like, anybody that understands you know, sword play. It's like, it's not enough just to like learn the techniques of the sword. You have to oil and sharpen that bitch too. And you have to make sure like, you know how to take your sword completely apart and put it back together and fix things that are wrong and be like, Oh, I noticed there's a chip in the, like towards the, uh, the top of the blade. I'm going to have to fix that. You know, if you don't, then you're going to walk around with a glorified butter knife and it might physically look impressive from like a distance. But the minute that it gets to within like cutting range, it's not going to do the job. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, it's, it's like, you know, there's a lot of samurai that used to talk about that, about that, you know, it's, you're physically learning this discipline, but realizing that you are the sword, you know, that's the whole point. It's, you know, otherwise, you know, any, any fool can just pick up a weapon and just be dangerous, right? I mean, anybody in a bar fight can just throw wild haymakers and possibly connect with somebody and knock them out, right? But if you're that person who knows how to size up an opponent and you know the targets, you know what's going to shut that person down, or you can read their intentions, so you say, oh, this person just had one too many drinks, they're having a bad fucking night, I'm not going to cripple them. I'm just going to go ahead and, you know, put them to sleep or whatever. Um, and there's other times where you're like, oh, this person's a wildcat and they're here for blood. So I have to stop them. It, if I don't, then nobody will. And, but all that stuff comes from self-development. You know, um, you, you have to really like work on, and it's, it's a weird polarity shift because I think a lot of people, um, especially in culture, their, their values are always like, Oh, you know, you need to be humble and you need to be selfless. 
But in regards to you, you have to also be selfish to yourself. And I don't mean like you just, you know, impulsive and whatever you want, you go take. I mean, you have to really focus on yourself. You have to almost be, it's like, it's like a, a positive reverse narcissism, right? Where a narcissist like thinks nothing of anybody else and only of themselves and what they want, what they think, what they feel, and they could give a fuck about the world. You're more like tuning out the rest of the world to focus on your personal development. And you're like, I have to get better or I have to be happy or I have to be successful or I have to be disciplined or whatever, whatever the thing is that's creaking, you know, whatever wheel is, is creaking. I have to fix this to maintain the vehicle so I can get from A to B. And I think sometimes people will sideline themselves because they go, well, you know, I just don't want to fucking, I don't want to be that. I got to be there for other people or whatever, you know, and it could be friends. It could be family. It can be, you know, the neighbor down the street, you know, whatever. But if you don't take care of you, you're never going to be qualified to take care of other people. You got a leaky hole in the bottom of this bucket and you're trying to go out and put out somebody else's house fire. It's, you're not being realistic you're like, oh, no wonder why I failed, because I didn't fix myself. I didn't work on the things that I need to work on. And um, and also, sometimes that can be a very convenient distraction, right, is when you meet people that run in and they say, you know, well, the reason why I'm not successful is because I'm so busy taking care of everybody else. I go, well, you've already addressed the problem. Stop taking care of everybody else's yeah, problems and exactly. worry about you. Yeah. You need, cause, because none of these motherfuckers are doing this for you. No. I said, because if they were then you wouldn't even be feeling half of the shit that you're feeling. You're feeling this because you're too damn tired, you know, mentally, emotionally, maybe physically, and you need to go back and reset. And if that means that you have to set up a boundary and go like, okay, so I have to get up at five in the morning and I have to go work out. Like uh, Jocko Willink says, you know, like earn your rest, right? Don't just, because you know, there's people who wake up every morning and they go, God damn, I'm so fucking tired. I guess I'll just... uh I'll just play uh, PS5 and chill, watch a movie, and then all of a sudden now it's like 10 o'clock at night, and they're like, fuck, bro, I got to go to bed already? And I got to work, work tomorrow? Damn, where'd the whole day go? There's there's days you know? for that. Right? Yeah, there like, are. There, there's like chill but, days. But not weeks and months and years no. habitually. It's like no. you have to, our bodies want to work. We are expressive, you know, kinetic creatures. We have to go out and run and jump and play. And then at a certain point, everybody says, okay, playtime's over now you got to sit in this desk and, you know, stay rank and file and earn your money and then get your retirement. And then finally, after that, it's, you kind of look back and you go, fuck, man, I wasted my entire life just sitting here, just doing nothing, really. Mm-hmm. Even though you were kind of doing something, you, you weren't really, you, you were, um, you weren't really living, you were existing. And then there's other folks that say, no, I need to earn my retirement. So how am I going to do that? Well, this hour or this part of the day is where it's all about the discipline of you know work or working out or whatever, and this is my chill time. I'm going to take an hour and I'm going to watch, you know, my favorite you know anime series one episode. You know, I'm not going to binge watch the whole fucking thing. I'm just going to watch one, and that'll be enough to kind of like scratch the itch. And then after that, I'm going to go and stretch. Or, you know, or yoga is at you know, you know, 7 p.m. or whatever. Or house is going to be at this time. And you go and you do that. And then now you come back home and you're like, man, I'm, I feel really good. And I feel like I've done everything that I needed to do for the day. Now I get to earn my rest. So then you go to sleep. You sleep, you know, um, to your uh, your satisfaction. You get up in the morning and you're ready to, like, take on the day. You don't wake up and, like, 
sigh and loathe the day and be like, oh, God, I gotta go to the fucking gym. And, oh. It's like, I, I love when I wake up and I'm like buzzed and I'm like, bro, I, I, I gotta go to the gym. I got a DJ session uh, with uh, a homie at this time, and then we're going to do an episode of the podcast, and then we're going to go clubbing with some people later on, and then a- after all that shit is all done, then it's like, okay, now I get to watch like a movie for an hour before I finally KO, and I'm like, yo, like I, I, I like I, I did my day, right? Mm-hmm. And then there have been other times where, you know, you wake up and you might not have anything going for you. And you go, fuck, bro. And you just kind of walk around, like, aimlessly. And you're just like, okay, well, I guess, well, what do I want to do? Do I want to go to the gym? I don't know. Oh, shit. Well, I got to go, bring the garbage outside. I got to go do this. I got to do this. And then you sat there and you just spun, mm-hmm. like like the rainbow wheel on a fucking MacBook and shit. Yep. And it was like you sat there and you processed for so long that now the sun has already passed, mm-hmm. you know, the horizon. And it's already nighttime. And you're like, fuck, where did my day go? Yeah, you know, because you're too busy thinking about shit rather than putting your ass into gear and moving forward and going. All right, I'll get the blood flowing. Yeah, you know, yeah. S- step one, it's like get up, you know, brush your teeth or whatever, you know, make your bed, and then from there you go. Okay, now, now that I'm up, I got to go to the gym. I have to. Oh yeah, it's know? it's very seldom that I have a day where I'm walking around aimlessly. Mm-hmm. But if I ever did approach that day, the first, like the automatic thing that I will do right away is drive to the gym. Yep, because. At least if I'm there, I could do the same shit, but at least I have certain things that I could do. Yeah. Like, I'll fucking just walk on the treadmill yeah. aimlessly or I'll, like, mm-hmm. you know, carry a few weights around the, um, what's it called? CrossFit section. Yeah. And just, right. just say, fuck it. But at least I'm doing something. Yeah. And then from there, that'll get my mind right, get mm-hmm. it tweaked and be like, oh, now I remember. Yep. I actually have to do these certain things. Yep. I actually have to respond to this this email or I have to right. um, send this email out or mm-hmm. I have to get approached by like three fucking tenants in a mall right. and tell me that there's such and such like, Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's a lot of value in magic to the warm up that people dismiss. They kind of just go, you know what? I'm going to skip the warm up and just, you know, jump headfirst into the, the other side of the pool. Yeah, you're going to get injured and you're going to get injured. And, mm-hmm. um, and sometimes the warm up as shitty as it might feel as soon as you're done, you get like this endorphin spike from that. And then you go, all right, cool. Now I'm ready to get reps in on whatever else I'm going to do. Um, I do that sometimes at the gym too. Like you were saying, like you kind of get in, you don't really have like, like a point of intention, like, Oh, I'm going to work on, you know, legs today or something. But what I might do is I might go and start off on something as benign as like the elliptical. And then after, you know, like I'll, I'll just, I'll say, okay, five minutes. And then I'm like, as soon as I get to like the four minute and 30 mark, I'm like, I could do another five. Pretty soon, I've been on that bitch for a half hour. And then I go, okay, now I'm feeling pretty good. Um, All right, I'm going to go over and, you know, do some kettlebell work. And then from there, it's like you just, you, you, you just, you have to start to kind of like push the, the stone up the hill. And then once you get to the top, now there's like this momentum that you can have. You can say, okay, now I can just kind of let gravity do its thing and pretty soon you were there for you know maybe an hour and a half two hours you're like shit man I, I really got after it today and then as soon as you get done with that maybe unexpected um unexpectedly um something else pops up and it's just like hey guess what we're all going to be going to do this thing you, you down oh yeah yeah I'm, I'm down or you or like you said you might realize 
okay, just that time of physical activity and embracing the suck opened up your mind to things that you maybe were at an impasse at. You go, okay, that's what I need to do. That's how I solve that problem. All right, I need to go home and like uh, give myself a half hour to like, you know, sort these emails. And then as soon as I'm done with that, then I can move on to the next task. But you have to keep moving forward. And oftentimes, um, even even like what I learned when I went out to the West Coast um, recently was that, you know, stillness is very valuable, but you also need to keep it moving. Because if you're if you're not like careful, it's easy for you to just stand there and just watch everybody cipher and get really super intimidated and like really like inside your your own thoughts. And then pretty soon everyone's kind of like, yo, like this person's just standing here. They're not even like conversing. They're not even getting involved in this thing. So every once in a while when I would catch myself like spectating a little bit too much, I would just like impulsively go and take a round. Mm-hmm. Just and, and, not, and not like in a in a rude type of way. I didn't like interrupt. If there was like a vibe going, I wasn't going to just jump in and do no, some bullshit. You knew what you were doing. Yeah. Basically. And, um, and then that got real fun. There was like fun to, to go in and then all of a sudden like look over my back shoulder one minute. I'm like really like inside my own head. And then all of a sudden I look over my back shoulder and I see remind behind me and I'm like, Oh shit. Okay. Well, I guess, I guess I better make a move, you know, because remind is like, he's got rounds for days. Mm-hmm. He's always got something to say. So, let, let me at least go in and get mine, you know, first, just so that way, you know, he can, you know, he's a race car in the red. He's just waiting for that green light. And then, you know, you, you get done with like your, your run and, uh, and you turn around and then all of a sudden, you know, you're seeing people like, you know, kind of giving you like the, the nod, like, yeah, yeah. Okay. You know, and then you move on and you move to a different cipher or you go, okay, now that I've actually put in some work, I've earned me going out and like chilling for five minutes on the back patio, talking to a couple heads and then be like, okay, cool. It's getting kind of cold. Let, let me get back in and dance to warm up. Yeah. You know, but then you got people that are out there that fucking, um, if you're not careful, you're going to sit and just think about life for most of your days. And that can be a real tragedy because then now you had all these like moments and opportunities that you could have, you know, shot the arrow and hit the target and you didn't do it. Mm-hmm. And then now you're going to be like all your best years are way behind you. And because you didn't have any maintenance, there's nothing else for you to look forward to because mm-hmm. you just were stagnant. Yeah. So, you know, you got you to gotta keep everything, you know, constantly moving. And then as you keep that, that movement, that momentum, then there will be those times where you are capable, you know, like uh, what's that? Uh, uh, how, how does that, that phrase go? Um, I think it's. I think luck is uh, it's when uh, preparation meets um, opportunity. Mm-hmm. So, you know, somebody calls you up to the big leagues and they say, hey, you know, you got this opportunity. Are you ready? And you're like, no, because I've been sitting around dreaming about it for so long that I didn't prepare as if I was going to go get it, you know. And that that was always a big thing for me. Um, and a big, uh, big life lesson that I learned, you know, even when I was young was that I always knew that if I just sat there and thought about the things that I didn't have, I was never going to go get them. No. You know, I have to get up and like walk towards them. Right. And no matter how far away that mountain seems to be, as long as I keep moving towards it, eventually it's going to finally be within reach. And then, you know, now I'm, I got a toehold and I'm able to like work my way up that mountain. Mm -hmm. But 
Then you have other folks that just decide, okay, well, I'm just going to sit here and dream about winning the lottery. And it's like, well, you know, you got to play to win. So, you know, what are you doing? Are you getting up and, you know, putting your money down on there? But you also have to accept the fact, too, that if you roll the dice, you take what you get. So, you know, but if you get that right mindset, you're able to continue to play that game until you get what it is that you want. And then even when you do get what you, what you want, that just moved you up into another tier, another level. Mm-hmm. And then from that point, you say, all right, now what's next? What's the next mountain to climb? What's the next goal? What's the next objective? And just keep doing that. Otherwise, you're going to sit here and you're going to be living a life of you know, quiet desperation. And you're going to you know, lament about the opportunities that have passed. But you never took a chance on any of the ones that presented themselves in your present. You know, so. Yeah. 100%. Well, we should uh, wrap it up here. Mm-hmm. Um, any last words for the for our lovely listeners? Uh, promotions for yeah. um, some DJ shit. So this December 2nd, over at the Minneapolis Eagles 34 in South Minneapolis, um, Ozzy and I are going to be doing a... Um, I mean, I don't want to say like a side project, but just it's just going to be a fun little, um, fun little like micro party that we're going to be throwing um, that we call the escape room, and it's going to be a little bit different than flow state because we're just going to DJ just like straight up like whatever we want, so mm-hmm. funk, soul, R and B, breaks, hip hop, house, pretty you know. much whatever's on my thumb drive is uh, what I'm going to play. Yeah, and. Um, but yeah, we're going to be in the the um, the people that have come out. Uh, they know of like the two main ballrooms, but there's a smaller room. It's like a meeting room that's kind of tucked off to the back. So that's where we're going to be playing, and um, it's going to be like a little bit more condensed. But what's nice about that, I think, is that it'll be more of like a real like dance party vibe mm-hmm. rather than a big dance floor. And if you only got like three people out there, people are like, oh shit, I don't know if I want to go out there. It's like it's nice when you go to like smaller like clubs or rooms where they're just there like the record room was tiny at first avenue yeah but they got packed full of people i know watch us like pack that whole thing up. yeah i know it's <laughs> yeah. funny yeah yep. do they so, have a dance floor in there I've uh, never been in no there. no it's actually carpeted oh, so cool. but you know i mean how many fucking dancers trained you know in their living rooms so it'll yeah. be just like all right cool we'll just go in there and we'll get down you know i mean if you feel compelled to you know take your shoes off as long as you don't got funky feet you know you can do a sock hop for all we care but um but yeah so we're just going to be out there and um uh saturday december 2nd and uh yeah we're going to be uh starting at 9 9 p.m yeah i'm pretty sure it's 9 p.m and then uh yeah we'll we'll be going up until uh 12 30 12 30 yep um and then um and then we got another flow state coming up and um, this flow state will uh, not 8 be... 8 p.m. 8 p.m. to 8, 12.30. Yep, 8, 8 p.m. to 12.30. Thank you. Um, and then uh, the uh, we have another flow state that's coming up in uh, the first week uh, weekend of uh, January, so January 6th. And that's going to be over in St. Paul this time. Uh, that's going to be over at the, uh, the Rock... Um, I believe it's the Rock Lounge and Bar... But it's um, it's basically it's this, it's this like little uh, I, I mean I didn't even know the place existed until I went out there, um, but it's directly in front of Schmidt Artist Loft, right off of West Seventh in St. Paul, 
And um, that place was a former sushi bar that got converted into like kind of like a hi-fi bar. Hmm. So it, it's really dope because they got like the stage on the one side. It's like it's it's kind of long. It's like a like a long room. Um, but uh, but yeah, I went out there and I did an open deck uh, a couple weekends ago. Just you know, just to check a place out and have a change in scenery and just try shit. So I went out there and it was like pro bono. You know, didn't even get paid or nothing. But I just went out there and I just spun. And I rocked the crowd, and I liked the setup, and I just talked to the management. I said, hey, man, what's, uh, what's up? Do you think you, you know, uh, we could get our party out here? And they were like, yeah, sure. So went ahead and you know, checked with you guys, too, to see that you were down. So it'll be the full Flow State fam that's going to be out there. And, yeah, uh, doors will be at 8, and then uh, music will start at 9. And then there we go until 2. Mm-hmm. So if we, if we have a really good turnout, like if it's – you know, if it's kind of dead, you know, we might, you know, cut it uh, a little bit earlier. But, yeah, if everybody's out there and having a good time and stuff, then, yeah, we can go until 2. Cool. Yeah. So, and then th- that'll be that'll be all house. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, next Friday, um, I will be teaching again at the workroom from um, 7.30 to 8.30 p.m. There will be no session with, res- uh, with respect to House Proud. Mm-hmm. Because it's the first Friday of the month, um, but so essentially, what I kind of want to do right now, and I know for all you choreo fanatics, you guys are like, "Fuck, man, I want to do house choreos and that." Well, I want to get back on schedule here. So, from what I've said before, and what I've promoted before, where in the first Friday of the month, I will be just doing straight up basic moves mm-hmm. because at the end of the day, if people want to come in, like they want to learn, you know, and it's mm-hmm. like. And when I do choreo, I make shit on the spot, so I don't have time to, like, really break down too many moves. You know, mm-hmm. got to keep it moving. Yeah. And then the last Friday of the month, I'm going to do more, like, advanced, you know, specialty mm-hmm. concepts and moves and ideas. Yeah. Um, we'll drill the hell out of them. Mm-hmm. We'll do some fun game concepts with them. Um, you know, last Friday, I did a stocking as, as like, one of the concepts and ideas, which... Mm-hmm. You know, in my personal opinion, is like the most social part of house, yeah. house dancing because now you're interacting with like literally somebody from mm-hmm. there on. So that's what's going to happen um, on Friday, and then from there on, we'll go back into the whole choreo deal up until the last Friday of the month. Okay. Um, actually, uh, <laughs> there is one Friday where I won't be in town. Mm-hmm. Um, it is December eighth or seventh. And Nancy will be uh, subbing for me. So from there on, it's her class. So whatever she decides to do, I just just like, you know, if you can't keep a house, um, which she most likely will. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's a great instructor. Uh, she's like one of the head directors of uh, Elite Dance Family. Like, she's phenomenal. Her and her husband, Sean, shout out to them. But she will be subbing my class um, December 8th. So I will be out of town. Doing my thing. Will um will that session um after still be on or uh, if you want to run it? Okay. If you're open to it. Okay. Yeah. So if you do, yeah, by all means we can yeah. keep that going. Okay, I can do that. Uh, cool. Sounds good. Um, but yeah, you know, a couple of changes too. So I ended up buying like a speaker system. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the JBL Eon Eight, and man, that thing's a fucking beast. Yeah, it's a powerful son of a bitch. Yep. Um. This is where coming. This is how I know I've been training, mm-hmm. uh, or where my training's like starting to show off. Mm-hmm. Is when I first got that speaker was when I first started my training regimen, 
and it was heavy as fuck. Mm-hmm. And then yesterday, I'm like, this doesn't feel like a thing. Yeah. Like, this this feels super light. Yeah. So that's where I know. I'm like, okay, yeah, the training's <laughs> you're, helping. <laughs> you're kind of like, is this the same fucking speaker that I bought? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, what the fuck? Ended up getting speaker stands, too, yeah. with it as well. So I pretty much have my own PA system set up. Yeah. So if you ever need a DJ anywhere, mm-hmm. <laughs> just hit me up. I got everything now. Yep. Um, but anyways... Those are our announcements. Uh, those are the rants. Mm-hmm. So with that being said, thank you for tuning into another episode of Styles and Driss. And we will talk to you soon. Peace, love, and soul. Bye-bye.